I can think of times previous in my life where, um, if I'm honest, I've had those moments where I'm like uber lazy. That's kind of within my character. I don't know about you guys, but like, um, I used to do a lot of like youth work, which meant um, you get set holidays, the same as the kids. And what would happen to me is, as soon as that period came, like I was the ultimate Jeremy Kyle binge fest watcher. Like I would just watch back to back episodes of Jeremy Kyle and daytime TV. And after a little while, you start to lose your humanity. You start to lose hope in yourself and anyone else around you. And it gets a bit depressing. But I remember one particular time where like I'd hit, you know, you get into that rut where you hit that all time low where you barely even get dressed in the morning, you just grab the cover, you go downstairs, you just collapse on the sofa and just, you barely even angle your head at the TV. It's just like, it's just roughly there and you're kind of watching it and you're like, and zombified, haven't shaved in a while, that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, whatever is on, I will take it in. And I remember watching Jeremy Kyle and like back to back episodes, don't know what channel it was, you know, one of them ones where it's not a real channel, it's one of them next man channels, which has all the things just in a line and you just watch one after another after another. And just at the end of it, you're thinking like, oh, it's cool, like I'm not gonna watch it. And then it goes, coming up next. You're like, right, that's even more of a madness than the last one. I'm gonna have to stay tuned. I have to know what's happening in their lives. And so you're going through it, going through it, going through it. And then you see these amazing fights take place on stage live and you're watching it on TV, it's just so real, and you're like, wow, like, yeah, well, I didn't love you anyway, I cheated on you with your goldfish, that kind of stuff, and you're just like, what, how is that, I don't even want to think how that's possible, that's not cool, that's messed up, and you're watching all those kind of disputes, and you're there just zombified, and you're like, wow, people like that actually exist, and those people actually exist and want to air it on TV, like, that's, that's amazing, this has to be actors. And then there comes those, those, those awful ones where you see these programs where, whether it's Jeremy Carl or some next man or woman doing the exact same thing, there comes these episodes where they're like the DNA test ones. They're the ones I really can't switch off. I can't switch them off. It comes to that moment where you're watching it, they're arguing about their lives. He reckons she's cheated, she reckons he's cheated. It's just all a madness. And then it's like, oh, the kid's not mine anyways. And the guy hasn't been there for the kid or just stayed away from it all and all that kind of stuff. And then she's going, it's definitely your kid. And he's going, it's not my kid. And the kid's like now about 18 and he hasn't paid life support all the way through. And then they're finally now on TV. They're now working out this last bit and they're like, um, is he the father? And you see all these different kind of reactions and you see these amazing reactions at the end of each one of these episodes where like Jeremy Kyle is there. He's got that amazing envelope and as he's opening it, he's pulling out that result and he's looking at the card and he goes like, you are not the father. And those episodes you think would be the ones where the guys are like normally kind of distraught and inconsolable, just all over the place crying. But normally they're the ones that go viral on the internet. They're the ones where the guy starts pop body popping. You, you, you watch it and the dad just starts going mental. I've seen one where the guy here is you are not the father and he runs and he runs around the whole studio and the camera's following him and he's celebrating and he's going mental because he's not the father. And I'm watching that and I'm like, rah, that is messed up. That is so messed up. And there are ones where they go like, you are the father. And the guy falls to his knees crying and he's not happy and he's devastated. And I'm sitting there watching this and I'm like, man, this is really sick. This is like really, really quite messed up. And then there comes this moment in, in, in my vegetative state while I'm there laying down on this sofa, completely down, completely kind of like screwed up because I've been watching daytime TV. 
daytime TV. I mean, if you like are on job seekers and you watch daytime TV, it's over for you. You are never getting back into the swing of life. You're just gonna like devolve instead of evolve. You're just gonna like you end up like the guy in flipping Lord of the Rings, like the one who had the ring for age. Smeagol, Gollum, I don't know, whatever. End up like that. Smeagol. Yeah, end up messed up, man. And I was watching it and I was just like in this really crazy state. And it started to connect with me. And the reason it connected with me was not because I have any doubts over whether my dad is my dad, although he is about five foot and I'm like six foot. And so there could be questions asked, but um, we both have beards, so it's okay. And um, <laughs> there are all these different kinds of things. I don't have this underlying tension and worry about that particular area. That's not how I connected. But there's a bigger picture, the big picture, which always, as a child, has always made me afraid about my future. I don't know about you guys, but if you grew up in Sunday school, you will have at some stage heard that Jesus is coming back. And you'd have heard there's a really big TV with a VCR player, because VCR players are what it was when we were kids. And like, God is going to show your sins and everyone's going to see it on the big screen. And you're going to be like found out and then like you're going to be judged. And like as a kid, you're thinking, man, okay, there are a lot of sweets I've stolen that no one knows about. How many sweets? I don't know how many sweets I need to repent of. This is not cool. Uh-oh. I now have a back catalogue that I haven't cleared up, that I don't know what they are anymore. Can I blanket ask for forgiveness without knowing what they are? And all those kind of crises that go through your head as a kid. But all I remember was sitting there, like, petrified as they were like, and then everyone's going to see your sin on a big screen. And as a kid, you're like, and then as you get older as an adult, that underlying thought and tension is still there, but the sins are a lot worse. <laughs> and you're like, oh, great. How about we don't show that one? Don't really want that on the big screen. And so that's kind of like my underlying fear. And as I'm watching Jeremy Carlin, there's right before our eyes, these people are having their dirt brought out on the screen. I'm thinking about my own dirt and my own issue. And I'm thinking about my own DNA test. And I'm picturing this kind of event in Revelation resembling much more like the Jeremy Carl show. And I'm not seeing like the angel Gabriel or Michael or Peter or the apostle Paul on the pearly gates. I'm seeing Jeremy Kyle and I'm seeing him sitting there and he's got my card in his hand in the envelope. And I'm seeing the big screen and I'm seeing everyone watching there and everyone's like, oh, no wonder, flipping heck, no wonder my life's a mess. I flipping hang around with that guy and he's a jerk. Look at, look at, oh my word. Wow, well, I think we can all say, safely say, whose DNA is going to be in the card. I mean, look at that. That is messed up. And I'm, I'm kind of like sitting there watching that. There's the big screen. Obviously, it's not VHS anymore because, or VCR, because that is like so old school. It's like green, green ray, because um, Blu-ray will be dead and gone by then. It's all up there. It's crazy. It's a madness. It's depressing. It's scary. And my fear is that when Jeremy Carl pulls out the card and says who my dad is, I pretty much 110%, most of my life, had this doubt in the background, this fear that I know what's going to be called out. There's a passage in the Bible where Jesus is talking to some guys and they're talking about being descendants of Abraham. And there's this moment in the New Testament where these discussions appear a number of times. There's one in particular where the discussion is taking place and it's like, well, we're descendants of Abraham and they're told in no uncertain terms, no, you're of your father, the devil. And if I'm to look at my life, if I'm to look at my actions, if I'm to look at whose DNA, who I reflect most, we may have been made in God's image, but I look at myself and I have huge doubts. I have huge fears that I need to be brought to the front and dealt with. 
that, that are underlying tensions in my life. And so I'm afraid that Jeremy Carr is going to pull it out. And as he pulls it out, he's going to read it and go like, you are not the father to the father. And that just leaves me completely messed up inside. And as a kid, I would always be scared of that one thing that on that end day, that is how it's going to go down, like a proper hoedown. And um, I've always been afraid of that. And that's always kind of been there residing in the background. But then one of the things happened the other day um, that I was reading in the New Testament. Now, obviously, a lot's happened in my life. Like I put my trust in Jesus and I totally believe that's not kind of it. But there's always that resounding fear in the background. But I read something really beautiful the other day. And I read some words of Jesus on the cross, which gave me such amazing comfort and reassurance. And that was that when he was on the cross, he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sakbathani. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And all of a sudden, I could connect and identify with this Jesus. Because throughout the whole of the New Testament, Jesus teaches these absolute perfect things. He does these perfect things. He goes through this life, which is just so amazing and rich and so distant from my own life. But in those words on the cross, I found absolute hope. And the reason I found absolute hope was... Because in that moment, Jesus enters into my world. He enters into the world of being forsaken. He enters into the world of being separated from God. He enters into this place of, for the first time, it's like he could have put it like, what is the deal? Like, what has happened to this whole Trinity gig? Like, why am I on my ones here? This is not, this is not cool. And it's in that moment, I know more than any other moment, that my sin has been taken on by Jesus on the cross. It's in that moment where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's my assurance right there. That's my assurance right there because the New Testament teaches us that he who knew no sin became sin itself. And in that one moment when Jesus is separated from the, the Trinity, separated from the Father, I find hope, I find restitution. And then he says, it is finished. And there comes this amazing moment where one of the centurions sees how he dies, the ground shakes, the sky blackens, all that kind of jazz. And he goes, truly he was the Son of God. But there's this amazing thing that happens when Jesus dies. Amazing thing that happens. It says in the Bible that the temple veil was torn from the top to the bottom. Now that particular um, curtain would be about yay thick, which is pretty significant. It's not, it's not thin. And being torn from the top to the bottom, but it would have been 30 plus feet, I think. I think off the top of my head, I, I, I can't remember, but I'll put a comment section on the SoundCloud so people can know exactly how tall it would have been. <laughs> But um, it's huge. And so for it to tear from the top to the bottom, for it to be as thick as it was, like if you'd fired a, pretty much a 9mm bullet straight into it, it wouldn't have gone all the way through. It's thick. It's seriously thick. Someone couldn't have come up to it with a sword and just hack and expect to get through that thing. And when Jesus dies, it tears from the top straight down to the bottom. And what we always hear about that is the one-dimensional angle. And it's true that God is saying he no longer wishes to be in, in this temple, in this holy of holies. He wants to live inside us. That's total truth. But actually, there's other angles to it from their culture and how they would have perceived this moment. You see, what happens in Jewish tradition is when the son dies, the father tears his shirt and beats his chest and he mourns. And in this one moment when Jesus dies on this cross, it's like God mourning for his children. We see the picture of like a dad tearing his shirt in mourning. There's more than just the one angle. There's another angle to it that is also true. We see a God crying out for his son, crying out for the loss of his son, the son who gave his life for us. And there's this beautiful, beautiful thing in this moment that gives me such hope for a brighter tomorrow is that Jesus says, no greater love has a man than this, 
than the one who gives his life for his friends. I call you friends. He says, no man comes and takes my life from me. It is mine to give. He said, whoever believes in me should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is who he is. That is what he came to do. And in John 1 verse 13, he said in verse 12, But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And in this moment, when Jesus died on the cross and said, It is finished, something supernaturally happened for every single one of us, that we could receive him, that we could be a child of the king. And then in that moment, it changes the whole show. It changes everything. People will still see on this big screen all my junk, all my nonsense. You could look at me the way I, maybe I've, I've acted and how my, my character isn't, isn't great, how my, how my life isn't great, who, who I am isn't that great. You can see all of that. But ultimately what's going to happen is when the DNA test comes out, when Jeremy Kyle is there on that final day busting out my envelope and when he pulls that out and holds it in the air, He's going to have a freaking heart attack because he's going to look at that bad boy and it's going to say, you're the, what? How can you be the dad? Look at him. You don't resemble him. You're not like him. He's not like you. You, you two, no, no. He's more like that guy. That, you, can't be, you can't be the dad. But in that moment, when Jesus on that cross became forsaken, when Jesus became separated from God, when Jesus took upon all our sin upon him, we received this beautiful, wonderful amazing gift now here's the thing here's the thing all of us here today i know for a fact from conversations we've had with one another i know everyone here knows this i know everyone knows this but how much do we rest in it how much do we really rest in it or are you guys like me and that in the back of your mind there's things that you think about with your life as much as you know that this is an eternal truth that surpasses everything we know and everything we've done that this gift that God gives us in Jesus, that he gives freely to us, we know it underpins everything. We know it surpasses everything. We know that it is unfathomable riches. And sometimes because it's unfathomable, sometimes we look at what we know is going to appear on that big screen and we look at that as being bigger and underpinning that truth and being over and superseding it. And I want to encourage us today with the one truth of this, that we looked at the series of the big picture. We started off talking about our society and the situation that we live in and that 5.3 million people have um, left church in the last 10 years. We looked at that one in five Christians is 65 plus. We looked at all the statistics saying that Christianity is not doing great in this country and that if something doesn't change, this country is no longer going to have Christianity as like the predominant religion. And all of those things are kind of true. And then the next week we looked at Jesus calls us to follow him and into discipleship. And then this week what I said we'll be looking at is we'll be looking about the action that changes everything. And the beautiful thing about this story is that this action that changes everything doesn't rest upon our shoulders. It rested upon Jesus' shoulders 2,000 years ago. And so this morning, the, the, what the world needs, what everyone needs from Jesus and his church is for his children to actually really rest upon the gift he's given us, to really rest in it. That there is nothing we can do, there is nothing we can attribute, there is nothing we can do and offer our society except that which he freely gives us. But when we come to people and we offer them a gospel that we kind of subconsciously believe is kind of BS because we don't put our full trust in it, it's hard for anyone else to see. And so the ultimate truth, the ultimate action point for you and I 
is to fully trust, to fully rely on the cross of Christ, to fully rely on him resurrected, to fully rely on this truth, and to actually believe that as many as received him, they became children of God, who were born not of the blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but that we were born of God, that we are born from on high. And until we get a hold of that, until we fully rely on that, fully live in that, fully trust in the cross of Jesus, we have nothing that we can really offer people. The big action is fully trusting in him in every area of our lives, allowing him to be all and to be everything. And this morning, that is the challenge for each and every single one of us. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to pray for us, but we're going to have a time where we're just going to invite God to come. Because you see, ultimately, no matter what I say, no matter what I do, it's, it's down to what we believe and what we trust and how we live our lives. And what I say doesn't really count for much when it comes to that regard. But it comes to what God says, and it comes to our encounter with Him, our experience of Him and of His hope of the Holy Spirit. And next week, what we're going to be looking at is we're going to be looking at that. That's the last part. What determines... This is the action, the call to action, to fully trust in God, to fully rely on Him. But um, Jesus, when he, he died, He rose again. He ascended to be the Father, and He said that the Holy Spirit would come, that He would guide us in all truth, that He'd empower us, that He'd be like dynamite in our lives. So next week, we're going to be having a week where we're going to encounter and engage with Holy Spirit because He's the one by the way He's the one that is going to allow the big picture to come to life within our lives. Um, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, that um, we can be honest about our fears, about our failures, and about our situation. And so much, God, that we say we can talk about a truth and a doctrine that isn't real to us. And we can talk about Jesus being all and being everything. But actually, so often, as much as we will say that and believe we're living that, a lot of the times our lives completely says a different story, that actually we're really trusting in money, we're really trusting in ourselves, and we're really trusting in other people around us and what they say and what media says more than anything else father um father we live in a world that is hyper connected where we receive thousands and thousands of gigabytes of information we download each and every day that are defining who we are and defining how we live our lives and what we see and what we do father this morning for these few moments where we gather together lord we just want to make you the focus and we want to take it in what you have for us and we just ask this morning that um the cross of jesus would just become real to us again in a new way Father, that each one of us has a unique struggle, a unique situation. Some of us have struggles that are in common as well, Father. But we come before you wanting to fully rely in, on your provision. Um, you gave yourself for us, and we just want to come back to that place of just trusting in you, Father. Um, you know each one of us, and you know the area where we aren't trusting in you. And we just pray that you would come, and you would challenge us, and you would meet with us, Lord God, afresh. In Jesus' name, amen.